Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts. Help us to look at you and see your beauty, your awesomeness, your sacrificial love, and reflect that. Jesus to the world and even to ourselves. In your name we ask this. Amen. Please be seated. We are in a series looking at the last words of Jesus, the famous last words. And it, this, uh, this is, I, I probably, I almost feel like I have to apologize. I like podcasts, and one podcast that I like has to do with people who are unjustly convicted, right? And and I read about and listened to a podcast. I think there's even a movie about this guy. So there's this guy, and he comes home from work, and he's tired. He sits in his chair. Now, he has a gun, and I, don't, I think he might have been cleaning it or something, but it was there on a table near him. He fell asleep, woke up. His wife came home, and she had discovered that he had had an affair four years ago. And let's just say she was not happy with him, right? It had been done with, you know, but she had just discovered it. And so things got heated. She took his gun and grabbed it and went into the kitchen. And all of a sudden, he hears the gun go off. And uh, she's dead. And, of course, the police come, the, the stuff. And ultimately, they convicted him of the murder and all this, this crazy stuff, how the police, like, botched the crime scene, how somehow they took, they, 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 they did gun residue tests. I think they did it on both hands, but they, the, the copy of the hand where the gunshot was, there was, it was all whited out on the form. And the coroner said, we didn't white it out because we use green out on green paper, right? And I mean, all kinds of stuff, how the pictures of the, the house were, were somehow lost, and they came back and restaged the area and took pictures and moved things. Yeah, I mean, it was this whole, how the prosecutor was related to a law firm that brought a civil lawsuit against the guy. So there, there was a relation between the prosecutor and the civil lawsuit, and if he would lose, of course, they would be able to take all of his... I mean, and, and then years later, um, a judge, basically the judge who did the trial said, this, this should be vacated and we should have another trial. And then the appellate court said, oh, you don't have standing in this. And, and they even offered him this one kind of plea where if he would just plead guilty, he would be free today. But he's like, no, I'm not going to plead guilty. So he's still in prison. And I couldn't help but think when I listened to some of these wrongfully convicted people, what is it like to forgive when you are just watching your life in prison? It's got to be hard. And I couldn't help but think that the most ultimate wrongful conviction was the innocent Christ. I mean, you got... Pilate's wife coming and saying, hey, this guy's innocent. You know, he's like, I wash my hands of this, right? He, he doesn't want to send him, but, but it's, it's like a kangaroo court, and he, and, he gets, and he gets ultimately wrongfully convicted. And here he is on the cross, 
ridiculed, scorned, and what does he pray? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you ever struggle with forgiveness? Yeah, yeah. It, forgiveness, if, I mean, all through Scripture, right? Did we pray the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who... Tra- I mean, forgiveness is talked about, and yet it's so hard to do. Have you ever really been hurt by somebody? How did it feel when you forgave them? I mean, the reality is, is when you forgive somebody, you have to absorb the impact, right? If we're in a fist fight, it's e- that fight has to end either with you punching me or me punching you. I guess theoretically, you might be able to punch each other at the same time, but um, most of the time it doesn't end that way, right? You typically have a winner or a loser, and, and typically somebody has to absorb the blow. You come over to my house and... I had shared something with somebody in confidence, and it came back to me in a, in a way that was very painful, and I was so angry. I mean, I was so angry that if I was near that person who, who was my friend, I, I think I would have been in a fight with them. Have you ever been that angry? Yeah. And, and, and it took me a week. And, and, a, and a week might be short for some of the things that you guys have experienced, but it took me a week to finally let go. And I remember how I felt. I felt like I had been carrying a weight, but there also is a sense of control when you're angry, when you're hurt. There's, the, there's almost a feeling of power. And when you let go of that right to hurt back, at least I did, I felt vulnerable and a little bit powerless, but I felt lighter and freer. It's a a weird kind of unique set of feelings sometimes when you forgive. And and I posted this on Facebook recently because I've been thinking about this message. And it, it said, holding a grudge is like allowing someone else to live rent free in your head. And a guy posts this, what? You found a way to get people to pay you rent in your brain? I'm like, only on Facebook, only on Facebook, right? And, um, but I, I have to ask you, and also myself, is there a person or situation that you're giving over control to your emotional life? You know this, right? Have you ever had conversations with people who aren't there? I, I can have them out loud, right? Maybe something happens in your family. Maybe something happens at work. Maybe you talk to your boss when their boss isn't there. Maybe you talk to your spouse when your spouse isn't there or your kids when your kids aren't there. Yeah. And you can like ruminate on these things and they come back and you, you know, maybe you think about what you should said or could said or how you want to say things. And, and 
you give over control to your emotional life to somebody else. You like ruminate on them. They're just going around in your brain. It helps me sometimes when I think about forgiving someone that it doesn't mean that you're right away best buddies with them, right? Or there are times where people who have forgiven people and they've let go of the constant rumination of the event or events, uh, and they're, they're not giving them emotional power, but that person is not a safe person to be around. And it, it's helpful for me to go, you know what, it, it, when I forgive somebody, it doesn't make what they've done okay. And it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held accountable for their behavior. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't have boundaries in, in whatever kind of relationship you're going to have. You may, and many times, it's good to enter into full fellowship with somebody again, Right? Your spouse hurts you, I want you to have full fellowship with them again, right? Don't be having all these, like, grudges going on, you know? Isn't it funny how sometimes bad things can happen, and you can, like, hold on to them, and they almost become, like, memorials or monuments in your mind against someone that you vowed to love forever in sickness and health till death do you part, right? And you've got these, like, little monuments that you hold on to, which are almost like personal covenants of pain or hurt or grudges. And I, I don't think we have to live that way. I think we can let go of those kind of things. And forgiveness means this. I believe it means to let go of your right to hurt back and to continually ruminate on it, to give them that kind of power to forgive. Now, sometimes the trouble is, is we just want to get vengeance. And I think forgiveness, it's always helpful for me to remember that it is not my job to take vengeance. It's my job to absorb, to absorb it, let it pass through to Jesus and say, vengeance is yours, Lord. You will repay. You're a bigger God. You know what's going on. You, you, you have this in your hands. You guys ever read the story of Joseph? I'm fascinated by that story because you got Joseph's brothers, right? And they, they sell him, right? He, sure, he's probably a bit of a brat, right? I had a dream. You're going to bow down to me, big brothers, dad, right? You're like, shut up. I mean, basically, that's what they say to him. And then the brothers, they, 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 they're going to kill him. And they decide, no, we'll make some money off him. And they sell him as a slave. And then he, you know, he goes to Egypt. And then he actually does well as a slave. And, and then, of course, Potiphar's wife you know, tries to seduce him. And he runs. And she lies about him. He ends up in prison. And he goes from prison to a palace and becomes the second in command. And then finally, when there's a famine in the land, the Lord brings his brothers to him and and when his brothers finally recognize him and he reveals himself to him, he, you know what he says? The Lord led me here. How is that? No, you guys sold me as a slave and left me for dead. He's like, the Lord led me here. He like reinterprets all this stuff that was so painful in his life and puts it back on God. 
Like somehow God used the negative things. And I bet you can look at some of the things in your life that you had to forgive people for, but you're like, well, I, I'm, I'm who I am today even because of that really difficult situation or circumstances. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There was a church father, John Chrysom. He was an archbishop of Constantinople. Anybody who's in the Orthodox tradition knows this guy. He's like one of the top three. In the Lutheran church, this is your first exposure to him, right? So this guy, this guy was um, a fiery preacher. And the common people loved him, and many people were converted, and they basically made him archbishop. But the clergy had become fat, dumb, and happy, and the politicians were the same way. And this guy was, would preach against the abuses of the clergy and the abuses of the leadership, and they hated him, and they schemed up a way to get him convicted of treason, like all this stuff. And when they had a trial, he's like, I'm not coming. And they said, his, his absence proves his guilt. You got to love this. He wanted a counsel, and they're like, nope, we won't do it. So they were sentencing him to something, and he wasn't sure, but for sure he was going to be exiled and maybe even killed. And this is what he said. And what I love is he could have preached or spoken, and all of his followers would have, like, just had an insurrection. It's like, no, no, I am, he said, a tree of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that he would be glorified. And he said, you know, if the emperor wishes to banish me, let him do so. You know why? The earth is the Lord's. He says, if the emperor wants me drowned in the ocean, I'll think of Jonah. He says, if he wants to throw me in the fire, I'll, I'll think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. If he wants to cast me, cast me out to wild beasts, I'll think of Daniel in the lion's den. You know what he's saying? I will trust in the Lord in this difficult time. Vengeance is the Lord's. I don't have to take up. But he's, I, I'll think of these people. If they're going to stone me, I'll think of Stephen, the first martyr. If he wants to cut off my head, I'll think of John the Baptist. And he said, I, like Paul, am not here to please men. And people who loved him took up arms and guarded him. And they were going to not let the guards come in. And that night, there was an earthquake. And the emperor's wife, who was in on getting this guy exiled because he criticized how she dressed, got afraid felt that the earthquake was from God and went and pleaded to her husband and he was reinstated as the bishop and the people carried him in and he trusted himself into God's hands instead of taking revenge on his own. So how do you forgive? How can I, how can we forgive someone who has hurt us? I, I think one of the first ways I'm going to bring back Bonhoeffer is pray. What is Jesus doing? Father, forgive them. He, he's praying. Look what Bonhoeffer said. How does this happen? Intercession means no more than to bring our brother into the presence of God, to see him under the cross of Jesus as a poor human being, a sinner in need of grace. So all of a sudden, when you don't forgive and I don't forgive, you know what it is? I'm up here and you did this to me. How could you do this to me? I'm not looking at anything else I've done. 
right? I'm not looking at any of my other mistakes. All I'm focused on is this thing, and I'm up here, and you're here. And when we start praying before Christ in the cross, where do we go? All of a sudden, oh, yeah, I see myself before the cross. Then everything in him that repels us falls away, and we see him in all his destitution and need. His need and his sin become so heavy and oppressive that we feel them as our own. And we do nothing else but pray, Lord, do thou and thou alone deal with him according to thy severity and thy goodness. To make intercession means to grant our brother the same right that we have received, namely, to stand before Christ and to share in his mercy. Somehow, when I don't forgive, I've excluded my brother or sister from the camp of sinners that I'm also in, right? I'm in the camp, and they're out, and when I pray, it softens my heart towards them. And if this is somebody that you ruminate or a situation that you ruminate on, use the rumination as a prayer link. Wait, what am I doing? Oh, I'm going to start praying again for this person. I'm going to ask God to bless them, bless family, right? There's a, there's a way to use the thing that bothers us to intercede. And Jesus didn't just pray, Father, forgive them. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Now, what did they do? You know what it says? Paul is preaching not too much uh, after this time of the crucifixion. Jesus has died, resurrected, and not Paul. And Peter is preaching uh, near the temple, and he says this, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Every woman would want to give birth to the Messiah. Every man prayed and hoped for the Messiah to come. And all of a sudden, Peter's saying, you know, he came and you killed him. I think the more I get in touch with my sin putting Jesus on the cross, right? That the cross was my place, that I deserved death and he took my place. The more I get in touch with that, the more I'm a person who gives out grace and love to others. Because forgiveness is a gift. Like if I work and you give me something, that's pay. But when you and I get this wonderful gift from God, we're like, oh, I don't deserve this thing. Forgiveness comes as a gift. I, I watched this video and I edited it. This is a guy who is a North Korean defector. And what I want you to tap into is the joy he, he experiences in things that you and I just take totally for granted. Is the sound up? My name is Charles Fee, and I'm a North Korean defector. I'm living like paradise lives. Driving a car, for example. I couldn't even, I couldn't even drive a bicycle when I was in North Korea. Every time I'm eating on like in and out they're like, oh, Every time I'm holding a donut, right, like, yeah, like, I'm, like, so appreciative that I'm, like, in a place where I don't have to worry about, like, what I'm going to eat next, you know, that I, at least, like, I don't have to starve, you know, sometimes I wonder why it was me, you know, 
why was I the one that survived the cancer center when my cellmate stuck to death? And the small gift that I can give to those that are not here today is to share my story. I continued to share my story until my friends and you know my neighbors that are back in home will be free. He would re-eat them out of his feces. Like he, he, I, I didn't let you see stuff because you'd be grossed out by the truth. They, they kicked him out of prison finally because he was worthless and sent him home to be with his brother because he just was, he couldn't work. He was so thin. And when I think about his facial expression when he's talking about eating a burger or a donut, and I think, look at the joy for the stuff he takes for granted. And here we are, hand of communion, given for the forgiveness of your sins. You're like, yeah, another day, right? And then the more I get, oh, God, you did that for me, the more I become somebody who more easily gives out that grace and forgiveness for others, the more I tap into it. Colossians says, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians says the same thing all through Scripture. I've been forgiven by God. I've been given a gift. Now you go out and give that gift out again. And you know what else I think is kind of hard? Sometimes you've done something and you've heard you're forgiven, but you have a real hard time forgiving yourself. It's like, I, I just can't let go that I sin, that I am. And, and the Bible knows about this. First John says, even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Is that not beautiful? You're like, Lord, here's my emotions. I'm going to trust your word. My heart may condemn me, but you're bigger than my heart. Because what does Satan want to do? Just, Right? Just go, how dare you? You know better. There's no forgiveness for you. You have to somehow beat yourself up for two months before you can ever, right? And, and the Bible would say, no, no, no. Just trust your heart to God because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What I like to think about sometimes how God calls me righteous, but it's a righteousness that when I consider my own life, I think it's hilarious, right? Look at Paul. He goes, I want to have a righteousness, but not one that's by the law, not one that's by my behavior, but one that's by faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And I always think of Sarah, this old lady, right? My, you know, my mother-in-law has moved near us, and, and she's 87. Sarah was older than her. And to think of like my mother-in-law having a baby is like hilarious, isn't it? Some of you ladies are like, me having a baby now is hilarious, right? And scary, right? And, and, and it would take faith. And when you stand here and you look at your life honestly, and you're like, I'm not righteous, the Lord's like, yeah, I know, but you are righteous in my sight. You're like, that's hilarious, God. That's hilarious. I'm righteous. You're righteous. You're forgiven. You look at yourself and go, I am the chief of sinners, but by faith, I have the righteousness of God. Is that not beautiful? Forgiven and free. Now, now um, how do you find the power to forgive, right? Because frankly, 
to err is human and to forgive is divine. It is. You and I, we can't just muster forgiveness. Yes, if somehow I talk over you and your feelings are hurt, you probably can muster the forgiveness of that, right? But for the real hurts in life, for the real ones that when you forgive, it feels like death, you don't have that in you. You need the power of God. Some of you may remember, others don't, a gal named Corey Ten Boom. She lived in Holland, and her dad prayed for Jewish people for years. And when the Nazis took over, they built a fake wall in their house, and they hid Jewish people behind that wall. And the Nazis came in and caught them, and they, they, they took them into prison. They interrogated them, and they said to her dad, listen, we'll set you free if you'll guarantee us that you won't take people in. And he said, any person who comes to my door in need, I will not turn away. Well, they threw him in prison. I think he died like nine days later. Now, Corey Ten Boom, she was there with her sister, and her sister died in a prison camp. She, of course, made it through, but she watched many people die in this prison camp. She tells this story about when she entered in and they, 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 used, they would strip them down and, and go before the guards. And she says to her sister, oh, I just can't endure this. And she said, but then I saw Jesus on the cross, humiliated, naked for me. And I thought, Jesus, if you could do that, then I can do this too. Is that not beautiful? This is Corey Temboom talking about her experience of forgiveness. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Boom, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel officers, guards. In the concentrate, in concentration camp, and that man said, "I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible, and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done, but then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness." And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew. I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And I, I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then, I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus. 
that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. Pray with me, Lord, you know whether there are situations and circumstances or even what the future holds. Lead us on in you to be your hands and your feet. Lead us on. If we're holding on to bitterness or grudges, I pray that we can't, but you can. You said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And so help us, Lord to abide in you. Shed your love abroad in our hearts. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.